This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. For episode 36, I am going to skip ad reads for a couple reasons. Uh, One, I have a feeling we're going to go well over 10 minutes. And two, I would like to make an announcement. Now, this did not happen to the vast, vast majority of people. This was a small handful. But some of you were having trouble accessing the website at nononsenseforex.com. On top of that, when you attempted to access the site, it told you that you were banned. Um, So first of all, fear not, nobody is banned from my site um, unless you are a bot. I have a plugin that deals with bots, and they tell them in those words, you have been banned from the site. So at least I know what was causing it. I resetted the settings. It was still happening to some people, so I've just gotten rid of it, and I will replace it with something else. So what I would like you to do, if you're watching this on YouTube especially, go to nononsenseforex.com and see if you can access it now. Please make sure you have cleared your cache. If it doesn't work, also try another browser. At least do that for me. And you don't have to tell me that it's working. Just let me know if it is still not working, and I will have to take the necessary steps beyond that. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and uh, I am getting pretty close. I'm not there just yet, um, but I am almost getting a bullish signal on my weekly Bitcoin chart, which is part of the methodology I use to purchase more crypto when I feel it is appropriate. Now, especially when the market is falling, I do not do anything until I get my signal. You guys know this already, Uh, but compare this to everything you have seen on the way down from crypto social media. Uh, Bearing in mind that this crash we just had didn't really have any retracements on the daily chart. And if it did, it was maybe one or two days. Uh, But wouldn't you know, major crypto social media accounts were buying the dip every time it dropped $1,000. And every time we had a positive day, or God forbid, two in a row, proclaiming that the worst is probably over. As always, wrong, 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 dumb, dumb, dumb. They sure did get a lot of clicks. They sure did get a lot of views. They sure did get a lot of hearts. But they sure did get a lot of people wrecked too. Guys, technical analysis, in particular the no-nonsense Forex method of indicator-based technical analysis, as is almost always the case, would have kept you away from this nonsense. And on top of that, if I haven't said this 150 times already, Either be a trader, either be a long-term holder, or be both of those two things. You know, traders did very well in this bear market. Assuming it's over, which it may not be. We'll talk about that. But, and long-term buy and holders don't really care, or they're excited at the possibility of buying a lot of these cryptocurrencies at much lower prices, even though the fundamentals barely change at all. Traders and long-term holders have the best of it. The people who get stuck in the middle are the ones who listen to the rhetoric on Twitter and Discord and YouTube. And by God, have you not realized by now what a go-nowhere proposition that is? I say this because even though I've said it a bunch of times before, I think a lot of you want to be long-term buy-and holders. But even some of you got caught up in this nonsense on the way down. And it's every bit as bad on the way up, if not worse. Actually, no, it's way worse. You know, every time Bitcoin crosses a certain threshold, like 44,000 on the way up, you know, dozens of major 
crypto accounts feel the need to announce it as if we don't have computers or smartphones of our own. Uh, but when they do this, how does it make you feel? You know, if you're an OG hodler, it shouldn't make you feel anything at all. Uh, but I fear that's not the case. So just be careful out there, contrarians. And, and on that note, uh, I don't feel great. Even if I did get a bull signal this week, I don't feel super great about it because everybody seems to think that the worst is over. Because like I said before, we barely had any meaningful retracements on the way down. And now we finally get one. And now all of a sudden it's back to prosperity. I mean, just about everybody, again, online is saying this. Now, I'm sure if you're on Twitter or Discord at all, you are familiar with the Fear and Greed Index. Uh, you guys remember when it was down at 11 and people were calling the bottom back then? As if there are no numbers below 11? Okay, sorry, I'll stop. But it went from, in one week, uh, the last seven days um, from when you're hearing this, actually, if you're hearing this on the day it's released, went from 20 all the way up to 50. It went from extreme fear to dead neutral in one week. While the price of Bitcoin, as I am recording this, went up by 14%, the fear and greed index has gone up by 150%. So the contrarian in me just does not believe this hype. I certainly hope the worst is over, but it may not be. But at the end of the day, the one thing that has done me better than anything has not been my own intuition, it's been my charts. And I am not going to overrule them this time either. Now, when they say go, I'm going. Uh, now, what will I be buying? Uh, well, on this go-round, I'm not going to buy anything new. I am going to reinvest in some of the projects that I really like, the blue-chip projects uh, that have withstood the test of time and I still think have a lot of potential, which is Litecoin and Chainlink. And I will also be purchasing my second tranche of the Trust Wallet token. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about on any of this, you can go to episode... Uh, 28, where I talk about Litecoin, and then episode 18, where I talk about Trust Wallet Token. Now, most people would see these three choices and think that I'm out of my mind. Not understanding that I don't shoot for pure upside. I measure upside versus downside. And as I'm doing that, Litecoin and Chainlink both came out ahead. Uh, they just did. So I've already done an entire episode on Litecoin. Uh, we need to talk about Chainlink because I did a little bit of a blurb on it on the blog where I chronicle all of my uh, crypto positions. I will link that down below if you haven't seen it. Um, I've edited it so many times. Every time I make a move, I go in and edit. So it's gotten pretty messy. So uh, if you go there, please do be patient with it. But uh, I'm certainly going in on more Chainlink. Uh, hopefully once I do pull the trigger, the price is still right about where it is right now. I would love that. I mean, as I record this, we are sitting at 69% off of the May 9, 2021 high. So at this point, we have to ask ourselves, have the fundamentals gotten 69% worse in the past nine months? I'm going to make the argument during this episode that the fundamentals have gotten a lot better. So you're going to give me better fundamentals on a long-term project that is 69% off of its highs? Uh, I'm at least going to do some additional research here. So allow me to share that with you now. Now, as always, we try to present a bear case first. I had a very, very hard time finding one, at least one that sounded at all legitimate. Until today, that is. Um, I was in one of the Discord forums that I frequent, not my own, but a different one, and we were talking Chainlink, and somebody there, I'm not going to mention their name because one, I didn't ask permission to, and two, I'm going to present a counter-argument to what I'm about to tell you right now. Uh, but he brought up a very compelling stat. Uh, did you all know that Chainlink's annual revenue is only $12.5 million? 
Does that seem really low to anybody? Especially considering Chainlink's $7.6 billion market cap? It's definitely cause for concern, isn't it? I mean, that's a legit bear case, isn't it? Well, slow down a bit here. I think there's another takeaway we can gain from this episode on this example right here. Now, I cannot get inside this guy's head and see the way he thinks, but I would be willing to bet that this was somebody who really didn't have any interest uh, in investing in Chainlink, whether he was bearish or just completely ambivalent, uh, wanted to find a reason why, found one, and said, see, there you go. That's why I don't invest in Chainlink. Now, he may have had other reasons too, but whether you're bearish or bullish, especially if you're bullish, you can't just take one piece of evidence that confirms your own bias and run with it. That is sloppy investing. Again, I'm not saying he did that. But tell me you haven't been guilty of this yourself. You know, you're really bullish and excited on a particular project. You find one piece of bullish evidence that you were not aware of before. And that is all you need to pull the trigger. Guys, the crypto market is far too volatile for you to take this approach. So whenever you find this phenomenon happening in the future, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the other side of the argument. Because that's what I did. Because I'm a chain link bull, I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm going to look deeper into this. And that's what I did. So he had pulled this bit of evidence from a site called grojo.com, G-R-O-W-J-O.com. And it was really the only place you can go to find information like this. It should be a lot easier, you would think, but no, it's not. And so I went and looked at it, and I'm like, God, I'll be damned. 12.5 million, that's it? For Chainlink? With all the partnerships they have? And then I thought to myself, okay, Let's look up some other companies and see how this site displays their revenue. So I took a bunch of different cryptos very close to where Chainlink was on the market cap scale and ones that were far above it. Did a little bit of digging, um, eliminated things like stable coins and also Bitcoin and Litecoin because those aren't real companies. And here's what I found. Uh, for annual revenue, Chainlink is $12.5 million. Near protocol, $4 million. Algorand, 19.8 million. Avalanche, 16.5 million. Polkadot, 10.8 million. And then Ethereum, of course, led the pack, but only with an annual revenue of 49.2 million for Ethereum. So either this entire cryptocurrency market is ridiculously overvalued and none of us should be participating in it at all. Or maybe, just maybe, the way this particular site calculates annual revenue doesn't really tell the full story. So there you go. I presented to you the one most compelling bear case I was able to find, somebody else was able to find. Now look, I'm sure there are other bear cases out there, and I am sure that some of you will put them down in the YouTube comments section, and feel free to do so. Even though this podcast is me primarily telling you what I like, you know, all opinions are welcome. We want as much info as we can. We do not want to take one piece of evidence that suits our bias and simply end our research there. Okay, so now before I get to the bull cases, if you're unfamiliar with chain, like, like if somebody asked you what it was and you had a hard time describing it to somebody, let me tell you the way I describe it to people. I tell them that, look, you know, most blockchains cannot see outside of their own code. They have the information they have and that's what they have. 
Uh, let's take the Cardano blockchain, for example. That blockchain does not know what the weather is in Chicago today. Uh, it cannot tell you the current odds for the upcoming Super Bowl or how much they've changed up or down over the week. It may not even have the ability to tell you what Bitcoin's been doing this entire time. Uh, so whether that last part is true or not, there's all this information that the blockchain just doesn't have that it may actually want to utilize sometimes. So now where does it go to get this information? They go to an oracle. And Chainlink is the top oracle by far. We'll get to that in a moment. But also in the show notes, I will be linking um, the entire kind of ecosystem of Chainlink and all the different blockchain companies they work with. Uh, but if you want the highlights, I wrote down the larger companies they work with. So get this. Chainlink, to date, has partnered with 1,148 companies, including Ethereum, Polygon, Phantom, Cardano, even though they have their own in-house Oracle, they still use Chainlink, Theta, Tezos, Polkadot, Elrond, Hedera Hashgraph, PancakeSwap, Celsius, Gemini, Curve, Chilies, one inch. And would you like a real bull case for the future? Guess who's knocking on their door? Now, as a blockchain enthusiast, you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you, but as an investor, you can't really help but get excited over this. Facebook and Microsoft are both in talks to use Chainlink as their Oracle or leverage their technology in some way. I don't know the details. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Oracle services and smart contracts are part of it. Um, now, why did Facebook and Microsoft turn to Chainlink over any other Oracle? Well, why would they choose anybody else? This is one of the parts that really excites me the most and the reason I reinvest in projects like this. Not only do I like investing in the best of a particular category, I like it when that particular project has a giant lead on its competition. So as I record this, on a Friday afternoon, CoinMarketCap has Chainlink ranked 22nd in overall market cap. Its closest competition is UMA at 146, then Winklink at 167. You know, then you got projects like API3 and Band Protocol in the early 300s. So the competition is there. There's always going to be competition, but it is so far back in the rearview mirror at this point. You know, I'm pretty comfortable with the direction I'm heading here. You know, I am taking by far the best in its category, a category that most of these blockchain companies are going to rely on, as well as large Web2 companies, a project that has expanded its partnership, and again, may include some major, major American companies. Facebook and Microsoft are probably not going to be the only two major companies knocking on Chainlink's door, mind you. I think it would be foolish to think otherwise. But with all of this factored in, do you think the fundamentals for Chainlink have gotten better or worse in the last nine months? Now, I've just spent the last eight minutes or so arguing for the better, and you're going to give it to me 69% off of its high? Does my move to accumulate more Chainlink still sound crazy to you now? Again, feel free to post your FUD in the YouTube comment section, but I doubt you're going to be able to come up with anything that overrides the bull case. At least you won't convince me of it. I always draw this comparison when I'm talking to Chainlink, even though Chainlink's only about five years old, I get it. Chainlink to me is Intel. 
I remember back in the 90s, they used to advertise Intel Inside. I remember a little catchphrase. But they really haven't had to advertise much since uh, because they simply didn't need to. Since 1993, Intel became the number one semiconductor company in the world and never looked back until 2017 where it got flipped by Samsung, but then they flipped Samsung back and are still, to this day, the number one semiconductor company in the world. And you never see this. And for most of this run, the lead was gigantic. I'm going to give you a link to a three-minute YouTube video down below in the show notes. you got to see this. It's unheralded. And like I said, during this run, Intel did not make a lot of noise because it didn't have to. Computers can't do without semiconductors. Most blockchain companies can't do without oracles. And most computer manufacturers chose Intel for a very long time because they felt like they were the best. Because whether or not you agree or disagree personally with that statement, second place was very, very far behind for decades. Uh, Yet in the annals of tech stocks, all you really hear about are your larger software companies, and then later your social media companies, and Intel almost never gets mentioned. But if you held Intel stock this entire time, so by whole time, I mean, you know, you don't have to, you didn't have to buy it when it first posted on the New York Stock Exchange back in 1980, but you know, when it finally took the lead in 1993, just like Chainlink's in the lead right now, and you bought and held, and bear in mind when you're looking at a chart, all the times the stock split, Uh, You are not listening to this podcast because you simply would not have to. You would be retired. So if you want to go invest in something with more hype or more maybe upside potential in your mind, you are fully allowed to do that. Um, But for this particular go-round, I have made my decision, and my three positions are ready to go. But VP, those positions are Chainlink, Litecoin, and Trust Wallet. What are you doing? Are you crazy? No, I take my money very seriously. I compare upside risk to downside risk, even in crypto. And every once in a while, I put together a 10 to 25-minute podcast, fully laying out and explaining why I feel this way. So right or wrong, I'm certainly not crazy. I think I'm still just very early. 